We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, Charles Schwab Challenge, Picks, Research, Guess the Odds, Course, Breakdown, we'll be doing a flyover in a minute. Apologies that I am not on camera for this episode. What you're seeing right now is FantasyNational.com, of course, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off, and not a bad time to do it because we're coming out of a major. We have another major in four weeks, and we have an elevated event sandwiched in between with three tournaments that it seems like most people are going to be playing anyway, at least two tournaments everyone's going to be playing anyway, which makes this an incredible run. This is the best part of the golf season right now, uh, but I had a pipe burst in my home office, so I'm getting that sorted before we can do anything regular. Lineup of shows this week, me and Feinberg recapping the PGA Championship and making our bets for Colonial. On Monday, me and Tambo on Wednesday, we have stuff in between. It's going to be fun. So leave a rating and review on the podcast, please, for all of this. But I want to dig into the field before we do anything else. As I mentioned, of course, as you already know, that this is a week where we're coming out of a major. And then next week, we're going to the Memorial, which is an elevated event. Then we have the Canadian Open, which is a national open. Then the U.S. Open, which uh, obviously is another major. Then there's an elevated event coming out of that for the Travelers Championship. And then I believe they're over in Scotland for the Scottish Open. So a big stretch of golf coming up. And you'd think that Colonial being a non-elevated event, would get left by the wayside, but that just doesn't seem to be the case at all. Listen to this field. You got Scotty, Spieth, Finau, Hovland, Homa, Morikawa, Sungjae, Burns, Fleetwood, Rose, Kitayama, Hoagie, Henley, Ricky, Horschel, Fox, Minwoo, Siwoo, Chris Kirk. It's a deep field. It's only 120 players, or 122 players at the moment, uh, just outside of Dallas in Fort Worth. Uh, the top 65 in ties are going to make the cut, but I thought it was pretty interesting that all of these players are going to play in a non-elevated event, and they're probably all going to play again the next week. And then when I looked at the commitment field for the Canadian Open, like Rory's going to be there, all Sam Burns is going to be there, we're going to get like eight straight weeks of Sam Burns. Every time I bet him, he's going to finish plus 16. Every time I don't bet him, he's probably going to win. Like when I didn't bet him at this tournament last year, and he ended up winning. So I do want to take a cruise over and take a look at the course flyover and talk a little bit about what we're going to see from Colonial this week. So it's Colonial CC. It's a par 70, just over 7,200 yards at 7,209, pure bent grass greens. And this is one of the regular PGA Tour courses where all the skill sets really do appear to have an equal opportunity to win. It's akin to Harbortown or Sawgrass or Sedgefield or Eastlake and Wiley in the way that 
distance is always going to be an advantage, but it does appear like its impact is mitigated a little bit at Colonial. And we saw this in two separate instances. We've seen bombers win at this course. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But we've seen Kevin Nahn, Kevin Kisner, and Chris Kirk, and even Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger end up winning. We've seen Jason Kokrak win in the past as well. And even the year, let's say 2020, that was the year that Daniel Berger ended up winning. Uh, That was the first event out of COVID. Yeah, it was the first event out of the COVID return so everyone played that year and it came down to Berger, Xander and Morikawa now Xander obviously gets it out there but it wasn't like Bryson absolutely took the place apart or Rory or whoever it was that guys that are pretty good tee to green you don't have to hit every single fairway but you need to be so dialed in with your irons and we'll dig into that a little bit more in a moment once we look at what really rates out well here you gotta putt you don't putt you gotta Got it going very, very badly. Remember Xander missing that like two foot putt in the playoff against Berger to end his chance at, I think that would have been what, a second career win at that point? Whatever it was. It was back in 2020. It's not that meaningful at the moment, but in terms of skill sets, that's what we would be looking at. As I mentioned, it plays just a hair over 7,200 yards. Uh, the strategy from the tee box will proved to be far more important than in a standard week because it's really a fake 7,200 yards. The course stacks its length in its par threes. All four of them are at least 190 yards, and there's a three-shot par five that's 635 yards. So it's kind of like the bizarro Riviera, where Riviera is only just over 7,300 yards as a par 71, but it has a really short par four, a really short, short par three, and a really short par five. So it stacks it all on the back end of all of these par fours. So if you take out those five holes that I just talked about, the three par, the four par threes and the short and the long par five, the field is left with nine par fours that measure less than 445 yards like regardless of driving distance numbers those holes are scorable for the entire field and of those nine seven of them come in at 430 yards or less five of which annually play under par so when you look at the past leaderboard the top five finishers almost exclusively share the trade of gaining a little off the tee slightly less around the greens and a whole lot on approach and putting and you'd think below average size greens that chipping would play a major factor that doesn't just materialize at the top of the leaderboard because they hit their greens in regulation and they have to go make their putts you're going to need a well-timed up and down I remember when Spieth won here in 2016 absolutely forget who came in second but whoever came in second I had and just watching Spieth like chip in from like the gunk from just off the green making a long like 30 foot par putts it was just infuriating as most people know who bet against Spieth this is the kind of stuff that happens but well like i said a few time up and downs are going to be critical a great week off the green means you're just not generating enough birdie opportunities to actually contend this was a little bit different a year ago because burns ended up posting a really low score earlier on sunday and then the wind hit and then you saw scheffler fall down scheffler got into the playoff with burns and burns made the long putt to beat him but like streel it was streel versus stallings stallings was up trying to put it away and just the wind got the best of everyone coming down the stretch and sometimes in texas that's just going to be the case uh, it's worth noting too that very few eagles are made at colonial hole number one is really the only plausible eagle how hole outside of like random approaches finding the bottom of the cup from 150 out like your scott stallings on hole number one at the pga championship uh yeah it didn't really go well for scott stallings after that uh even though some are reachable in two shots number one is the only one that really hovers around a two percent eagle rate historically so general drafting strategy points to distance as it typically eats to more eagle opportunities which are worth eight as opposed to three but that just doesn't seem to be the case at colonial and that's why there's an overemphasis on the 100 to 125 proximity range it's not applicable for every player because some guys hit it longer some guys hit it shorter but a lot of the player the majority of the players are going to find themselves in that bucket a lot of the time and it's just going to be very accessible on the scoring holes it's just like at the long par five at number 11 most of the field are just going to be 110 in or 94 in wherever it may be so keep that in mind when you're constructing your teams this week as you can go with a wider range of players uh, colonial opens with a par five and a short par four which are the two easiest holes on the course so expect birdies there over the past five years the field has made birdie or better on hole one a total of 47 percent of the time and 27 percent on hole two Hole three, that's where the horrible horseshoe begins. <laughs> Home to three of the four toughest holes on the course. Uh, that probably should have been deduced from the nickname of the horrible horseshoe. So when we take a quick 
peek over at what the scorecard tells us, you see hole number four, 438, 483, sorry, as a par four, plays over par. 247 as a par three. It's like they just stole it from Oak Hill. Uh, 3.13. It's not the most difficult, but you can see it only has an 8% birdie rate and a 21% bogey or worse rate. So you got to get through there. And then number five is the most difficult hole on the course. 9% birdie rate and a 28 29%, I guess, uh, bogey or worse rate. So if you just go par, par, par through there, all of a sudden you're looking a lot better at Colonial once it comes down to what you're really going for here. As I mentioned before, little off the tee, little around the green, approach and putting and that's for the top 10 finishers the top 10 finishers are averaging 0.9 strokes gained on approach per round and 0.8 uh, on the greens it's only 0.2 positively around the green uh, and 0.33 off the tee that's from the top 10 once we shrink it down a little bit more to the top five and see what's going on it's over one stroke per round on approach, almost a stroke, just 0.93 gain putting. So when we think about that, that's an average of the top five players of like 4.1 strokes gained approach, 3.8 gained on the greens. You have almost a half stroke. So driving becomes a little bit more important uh, once you get inside the top five. If you're going to critically do this, that's like 1.75 off the tee. And then you have like point, you know, if you can gain a stroke. You can basically be around 0.5 or 0 or 1, whatever it might be, around the greens. You see how the top five finishers, strokes gained average per hole. That's uh, the most on the par fives. Got to dominate the par fives and then just kind of tread water on the others. But it's a lot closer in terms of overall value than we see at a lot of courses. So it's not just like one is stacked, like got to dominate the power fives. You can get away with having bad power fives, although if you're not birdieing or eagling, number one, you're falling way behind. As I mentioned, there are those seven par fours that fall in the 400 to 450 bucket. You can be assured that that will factor into the stat modeling that we're going to end up doing this week. And uh, the average shot distribution, you can see, as I mentioned, that 100 to 125 bucket, you have the 12 percent of shots coming in there but most of those are from that long par five unless someone's really giving it a rip like I didn't think that anyone was going to get to those par fives uh, at Oak Hill and then Rory just pulls out a three iron and gets there so you know, certain guys are just a, a different breed as it turns out I hope you're winning some bets at the PGA Championship one of my worst weeks of the year that's always fun in a big spot when you know more people are tuning in more people are listening share the show around by the way that always helps us out over here um but yeah, it didn't go great for me. Hopefully Brooks can win. I can salvage my DraftKings lineups. We'll see about that though. But yeah, uh, you have the 150 to 175 bucket is the, you know, it's a plurality coming in around 25% of your approaches, very few 200 plus, And a lot of those are par threes coming into it. So your approaches by and large, you're just not seeing basically everything that mattered at Oak Hill is kind of inverted of what we're seeing here this week. So basically, you know, 175 and in, you know, you're getting 25, 21, 12. So we're already at 60-ish percent, 55% right now. And then you still have your 75 to 100 and 0 to 75 coming in to make up another 10% of the approach shots. And not a lot of long irons coming in this week. So just to keep that in mind, look back at the historic cut line, plus 2, plus 2, minus 1, and that was in that was the year that we had the supersized field uh, with all of the really great players. It was at minus one. Other than that, it hadn't been under par since, geez, 2010. Before that was the last time that it was, well, I guess, lower than even when it came into the negatives. Again, driving accuracy down as opposed to your regular PGA Tour event. Green's a regulation percentage down. Scrambling percentage a little bit easier, around 60% this time. Uh, three putts on these smaller greens just don't happen all that often. Trust me, if you have like Luke List, you'll find a way to three putt. You shouldn't be concerned about that. But that's something to keep in mind. The average drive is way down, though. So 183 average drive. Uh, at this course, it's only 278. So guys are dialing it back a little bit off the tee. You can get yourself into tree trouble here as it lines most of the fairways. So that's just another thing just to keep in the back of your mind. It's flat. It's tight. It's tree-lined. Uh, you know, it's a shot maker's track, as they like to say. It's a bit claustrophobic water only comes into play on four of the holes there's 84 bunkers there's dog legs everywhere uh there's bermuda grass on the tee but it is bent grass on the greens a four bent grass and a lot of the a lot of them are going to be uh elevated as well 
Um, and let's see, just even to actually, let's yeah, let's go back and take a kind of look at the the history of what's happened here. It's funny to look at uh, mainly because there's a lot of guys who are both injured and now play on live who've experienced a lot of success at this course over the years. So last year, Sam Burns won. Uh, he beat Scotty Scheffler in a playoff. The Todd father came in third. Uh, we've seen Finau have some nice runs at this tournament in the past. He lost a nod. That was a very beneficial one for myself, Cashman. I think it was a 60, 66 to one ticket on Kevin Na. Kevin Na could not be stopped on that Sunday. That was fantastic. I believe I bet uh, Spieth against, no, I bet Kokrak against Spieth. This has been a good tournament for me, as it turns out. So Burns won at minus nine last year in the playoff. Previous to that, it was Kokrak who won in 2021, beating Spieth uh, at minus 14, even though that Jason Kokrak left one in the bunker that day. That was always fun. And that was also the year that Patton Kazire could not, couldn't not finish inside the top 10 in any of the Texas tournaments. What a weird run that was. Uh, Daniel Berger won in 2020. How's your burger? We haven't seen him in ages. You see Rose, who won in 2018, also came third that year. Maybe it wasn't Xander then. Maybe it was Morikawa in the playoff. Why did I think Xander did stuff that year? I guess he's not in this tournament. Was he T3 then? Now I need to go find this out. Xander. That's, you know, I guess I turned cap locks on. Eh, it's going to work anyway. Let's see. Xander Schauffele. 2020. It just it is killing me that I can't remember this. Usually I'm, I'm pretty in tune with how this is going to work. Oh, he came third. Yeah, maybe there was a short putt. So he beat Morikawa in the playoff. And then he missed the putt to go to the playoff. So I had that a little bit backwards. Apologies on that front from me. Uh, Cam Champ, uh, Sungjae. Sungjae has two top 15s each of the past three years. You see Spieth, 7th, 2nd, 10th, 8th, 32nd. He had won the year previous to that in 2017. But you see Kokrak, Na, Rose, Kisner. I guess Kirk would have been younger in 2015. But some of the older players, like mid-30s guys, late-30s guys. Then you have, obviously, your Daniel Berger, very young. Jordan Spieth was very young in 2016. Burns is still in his 20s right now. So we're seeing more of a lean towards the younger player a little bit uh, at this tournament over time. So the best players uh, in this field over the course of the past five years. Spieth, Finau, Rose, Grillo, Colin Morikawa, and Brian Harmon are the top six. And you have like, uh, C.T. Pan's interesting. So C.T. Pan made the cut four or five years, was third in 2019. I mentioned Heritage, and I mentioned the Wyndham, two courses where he's played very well in his career. And you can see, since he's returned, it was bad at well, bad at Heritage, but the irons were good. Everything... The irons were bad at Wells Fargo, but everything else was good. And he kind of got it back together a little bit at the Byron Nelson. So maybe C.T. Pan is a spot to look at here. We know that he's won the Heritage in his career. That's almost how you spell it, Heritage. So, yeah, he won it in 2019. It hasn't really been great since in that tournament. And then at the Wyndham, he's come second at the Wyndham in the past and then been wildly inconsistent at any other year besides that. But if we're digging a little bit deeper down the field, uh, he is something to look at. He's actually a positive putter on Bentgrass, where he's been like brutal on Bermuda, despite that win and the second place coming on Bermuda. You know, he plays much better in average difficulty rounds, which you're going to see here a lot of the time. And he actually plays well in almost any win condition, positively versus the field. But what I want to see, other than just strokes gain, I want I want to see his distance and accuracy uh, just to see how that shapes up at the moment and if you dig into fantasy national you can see how many how often he hits it right to left straight i always forget about going into this and uh, it's based on 192 measured drives from last season and we can see his club head speed, ball speed, smash factor, overall driving accuracy. Uh, the fairways have been good each of the past two weeks. All right, that's what I want to see from CT Pan. I don't need him gaining a million miles off the tee because that is absolutely not what he does. What I want to see is him hitting fairways, and he's gaining fairways on the field, gaining greens of regulation. Now, that's more of an iron stat, too, but you can set yourself up into a much better position should that be the case. He's avoiding the left, and he's avoiding the right, generally speaking, coming off the tee as well. Okay, so CT Pan, we're, we're throwing on the short list going forward. Uh, that's always great news to think about. So I guess we should talk about what we're doing with the stat modeling this week. Hopefully we can find ourselves a winner. I'm going to shrink the sample size down to past 24 rounds. Might even go shorter than that as we go through it in a little bit and shrink it down to 12. I had just trusted the stats this week. I, I forget actually who it was. Let's, let's see if I can reverse engineer this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As you can see who I picked on DraftKings. I would have had Rom and Brooks in the pool too, but I took them out when I generated more balanced lineups. Um, I'm going to go to the stat model, and I think I still have Oak Hill loaded in. And try to see if I should have just listened to the numbers anyway and see how I would have been doing. Maybe this is actually a very helpful review to do each week going into the final day. It's like, where did Pat go wrong? Why did he not use the guys who were at the top of his modeling and just decided to go with his gut and take whoever it was. I'm guessing Scheffler's probably up near the top. Let's see. Rory is currently seventh. Finau, uh, Day and Wyndham Clark, and Sungjae, and Neiman did not do. All right, so that's not so bad. So guys that were good were supposed to be good. Uh, Cantlay's inside the top 20. This next little range would have been good because Jagger was 15th, and Fleetwood, who I didn't I didn't use any of these guys. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is also top 10 at the moment coming in. So it seems like outside of this like bad range of 6, 7, 8, and 9, Neiman, M, Clark, and Day, everyone else like made the cut. Jesus. I should have just like, copy and pasted this and worked my way down the list. Now, I wouldn't have Connors, and I wouldn't have – we would have worked all the way down to see with some Morikawa, Varner, Mito. A lot of the live guys that it liked uh, actually did pretty well, and that's over the last 50 rounds. I wonder if we had shrunk it down to past 20 or past 12 rounds to see what that would have told us. Which a day would have been higher uh, over that time, and Ricky probably would have been up there as well. But it's funny to not see Corey Connors on any of those lists, just because the ball striking, which I had overemphasized within that modeling, I'm shocked that it didn't spit him out pretty highly. Let's see. Scotty, Finau, Hatton, Day, Jagger were the top five. Man, I really should have played Jagger. Feeling like an absolute goober at the moment, not doing that. Then Wyndham Clark missed the cut along with Jason Day. Then you had Xander, Thomas, Fleetwood, Hideki, Rom, Griot got cut. There's Connors at number 13, currently in a tie for second as we go into the final day. I'm recording this before the final day. Scott Hubbard ranked out pretty well. He's now like last of all the guys who made the cut, but he did make the cut. That's nice, I suppose. Spieth, Woodland, Neiman, Rose actually was inside the top 20 and he's inside the top five right now. So it wasn't a huge miss based on my process. But as you can see, um, when you only take one of the guys <clears throat> inside the top seven of your modeling and that guy misses the cut, you're probably not going to have a very good week. 
Uh, and that's what's happening with me. I am not having a very good week. But it doesn't seem like my process was that far off from everything. Obviously, I, I don't have Brooks. I don't have Bryson uh, or even Victor near the top of this. I'm surprised Victor isn't near the top of this, to be perfectly honest with you. Where is he? He's number 42. He really got pinged on around the green. I overemphasized around the green a little bit too much. I think that may have been my my big detriment. And I probably should have realized, as is the case for a lot of the majors, that a great short game can carry you a lot of the times. But in sooth, it actually may make everyone a bit more even. I didn't really see anyone chip themselves out of a tournament. And a lot of the guys who we would consider to be very good around the green, like where's Rose? Like even to see Rose, like the, the rough got so wet and so thick. Yeah. in sand saves, he's 21st. He's top 40 around the green. Like it was just so thick. He couldn't get his club through it. A lot of the times, like that's going to be a problem uh, around the green. So maybe it mitigates it a little bit more because Vic's actually having a pretty good week. Uh, at least from what I've seen, I haven't went and looked at the numbers all that much, but uh, that's what I'd be looking for right now. So that's sort of a review. Maybe I'll continue to do, I'm make a note right now, review model every single week to see how it's doing at the tournament uh, although listen Jagger could shoot 94 today and it's like oh shit yeah I guess I shouldn't have played Steven Jagger at all where's Colonial pretty good all right well that's always good news pretty good I'm in on pretty good I'll take a pretty good week Let's see what I have cooking here. That was a big one. I mean, overly convoluted. Always fun to see. Strokes gained approach at 30%. Fairways gained at 10% off the tee, 5%. I guess that's giving more weight to some of the shorter hitters is why I threw that in to try to reverse engineer what my thinking is when I initially constructed this. If it's been pretty good, I don't want to get away from it. So keep that in mind. Par fours gained 10%. I didn't put par fours gain from that key area. Ball striking, I don't know why I have ball striking in here, just to wait at 0%. So let's just take that out. Around the green, 5%. Par fives, 5%. Sand save, 0%. I'm going to get rid of around the green, and I'm going to jack up. Sand saves, 2 5%. Proximity, 100 to 125, 7%. Par fours, 350 to 400 yards. So they've lengthened those holes a little bit. So that's the one that I'm going to change to 400 to 450 on the par of fours 400 to 450 and we'll dump that in at five percent so i have the key proximity range of 175 to 200 i don't know why i have that see that this is the thing they've changed the course details a little bit over the past two years so i need to update some of these proximity ranges because it was 125 sorry 150 to 175 that was the one that i want to overweight at the moment so we'll put that at eight percent uh putting five to ten putting ten to fifteen this power four is opportunities gained of course i want to have those in all right let's run this see how this looks see if we can find ourselves a winner it's probably going to be scotty scheffler probably the easiest way to go about this although i don't know if this field is weak enough for finau to win but this is a very good finau course and what he does well. And I'm very curious to see, especially DraftKings-wise, more importantly than anything, what happens with Sung Jae and Burns this week after, I mean, I bet both of them to win the PGA Championship, and they were absolute disasters at Oak Hill. And yeah, I know that Sung Jae was coming back from Korea. Did Still didn't expect him to shoot in the double digits over par, all right? Uh, how's Bez's run doing? I bet Bez last time out at Byron Nelson, but... Good run for Bez. Hasn't finished worse than 28th in any of his past four events, two of which were elevated events, which is funny because the two elevated events he played in were actually his two better events. But we take a look at these approach numbers. Those are very good. And if driving's going to hurt him less here, the putter is back. How's he put on bent? Better on bent than anything else? All right. CT Pan. See Bez. There we go. Probably not as outrights. This field is too strong at the top. And I'm, I don't want to say that I'm done bleeding money away on these like 80 to one guys, but they just don't seem to hit ever. And even when they do hit, they're absolutely not the players that I'm on. How has he played at colonial? Let's see the Chuck Schwab. Uh, he was 15th a year ago and yeah, did exactly what we kind of thought. Great on approach, great putting, pour around the greens and even off the tee. If we can make that even around the green, maybe we can do it a little bit better with the old Seabez, but Scheffler, Finau, Morikawa, Spieth, Bez. One, two, three, four, five. In theory, this should be a fantastic Morikawa course because distance isn't going to plague him. Around the green means a little bit less. Can you make your putts? We saw him do that at that course the year that he ended up losing in the playoff to Daniel Hauserberger. Uh, the putter has not been great for him uh, at really any point over the past two years. Uh, what were they calling this? Let's see. 
no, it was called the Chuck Schwab. I guess I should put it in Charles Schwab. So second, 14th, 40th. And you can see, you can trace his putting to how it's been going. But look at some of these approach numbers. 6.3, 8.2, 5.6. And even coming into play, I don't know how it's going at the PGA Championship, but... You know, the approach numbers are still fantastic. Uh, if the chipping is not going to mean a lot, oh, good. I can talk myself into Morikawa. It's funny because it feels like this is his destiny to kind of be the king of Pete Dye courses, although I don't know if he's ever won at a Pete Dye course, which is kind of funny to think about. But like Sony and Colonial and Heritage, the Tour Championship, Wyndham Championship. Uh, I mean, he's not going to play the John Deere all that often, but those are kind of his primo courses because he can contend at the longer courses because of his irons being so good. But when you start getting to courses where driving distance matters a little bit less than it would at your major championships, although he has two of those, but he did win at Harding Park, which did emphasize accuracy over distance a lot of the time. For Those guys were more apt to compete that way because we did see Cameron Champ and Bryson up there as well. Uh, so bomb and gouge was a viable strategy but we've just seen morikawa's accuracy and long irons overcome some of the challenges that he's had over off the tee and you can see like scotty and morikawa um you know are near inside the top 30 in terms of fairways gained over the past 24 rounds at least of all guys in this field so after that it's fleetwood should be a good fleetwood course obviously uh someone again who scores very you can see all these guys score really like they dominate these shorter par fours ben martin also pretty good Inside the top 10 right now, Fowler and Siwoo. Also inside the top 10, both Fowler and Siwoo missed the cut. At the PGA Championship, that's Svensson. Svensson doing some good work. He's doing some good work at the PGA Championship right now as well. And we'll see if all these guys stick in the field. But the next 10, in terms of the modeling, you have Homa, Batia, Grio, Rose, Svensson, M, Hubba Hubbard. Russell Henley, David Lingmurth in his gigantic melon, as Cam said. And then Hollywood, Tom. Hoagie, guy might be one of the streakiest guys on the PGA Tour, because I thought he was out of it at the PGA Championship. I actually have no idea whether or not he made the cut. Let's see, did Hoagie make the cut? Hoagie, yeah, he's T42 right now, but he was like eight over, I feel like, at one point on day one. I think he reeled off four birdies in a row. He's just so up and down and all over the place, and you can see it with him. Uh, Masters, Heritage, really bad. Byron Nelson, you think he would have been better. Then he comes out, and he's, like, playing well at the PGA Championship, which is strange. Uh, players, he did play well, though. Yeah, that's when he went on the, like, the heater to end all heaters in one of those rounds. I think he shot the course record or came close to it. This has not been his jam over the past few years, though. His best appearance was 2016. His first appearance, Game 17th, has not finished better than T40th with three missed cuts in any of his other past five starts and not great form coming in. Uh, Michael Kim, I think, is going to be very interesting. Obviously, Yagabombs is going to be pretty interesting as well. We'll take a look at Dylan Wu on a deeper dive, Davis Riley on a deeper dive. Do we need to look at QAnon Scott Piercy? He's been crushing it from this key range, number one in the field, and inside the top 10 in terms of that key par four range. Now, granted, small sample, past 24 rounds. So the top 10 in terms of par fours gained, 400 to 450 yards over the past 24 rounds overall. Scheffler, Spieth, Nick Taylor, Morikawa, Scott Piercy, Taylor Moore, who did make the cut, uh, along with Taylor Montgomery, who did make the cut at the PGA Championship. Chris Kirk, Denny McCarthy, and Steven Yeager, all inside the top 10. Fleetwood, EVR, Svensson, Ben Martin. Take a deeper look into Ben Martin and deeper look into Tommy Fleetwood and Steven Yeager as well. We might as well kind of do a deeper dive on some of these guys to find, see if we can find someone from the back end of the pack. You have Hayden Buckley, Sean O'Hare, good Lord. Kitayama and Hovland, Finau, Bez, Shank, Aaron Rye. This does feel like a good Aaron Rye course, doesn't it? Aaron Badley up there as well. So let's take a quick scan through some of these players, the individual player profiles on some of the back-end players in this field that maybe we can figure something out because I had Dylan Wu. He rates out top 30. We'll take a look at Batia. One of my, I'm going to bet Batia every week until he wins. I, I think that's just a, a stance I'm going to make. I did it with Luke List. He eventually won. I, you know, I was doing it with Siwoo for years. I missed out on like two Siwoo wins because of it, but you know, still very much uh, in the black on Siwoo over the course of my lifetime. So... Yeah, maybe Batia can, I mean, Batia's already paid some nice, like, each ways, so I'm already, like, in the positive on Batia, even from just Mexico alone. Uh, to take a look at the ranking over the past 12 rounds before we go to the individual play, player profiles, Finau, Grio, 
probably look more into Griot. Uh, Finau, Griot, Scheffler, Buckley, Bez, Eckrote, who had the nice run in Texas uh, on the other side of town at the Byron Nelson a few weeks back. Spieth, Fowler, Fleetwood, Reavy, Hubbard, Rose, Jagger, Morikawa. Oh, Carson Young, another one of my guys. Take a look at old Carson Young. He missed the number. He missed on the number at... I want to say it's Wells Fargo. I think he made the cut at Byron Nelson. I think he was, like, pretty good at Byron Nelson. Sam Stevens is up there. Nasty Nate Lashley, who's in the middle of, I don't want to say a heater run at the moment, but he's playing some pretty decent golf at the moment. You still have your Michael Kim, J.J. Spawn, Taylor Moore is still up there. So a lot of the guys that we talked about anyway, uh, in terms of approach, if there's any, like, sneaky names. Putnam's top four in approach over the past 12 rounds. No idea how he fared at the PGA Championship, but we can take a look at that. Andrew Putt. Nam cut. He was plus six, though, so he missed on the number. He wasn't a, like an abject failure when it came down to it. So let's take a look at some of these individual player profiles on back-end players. We'll start with Michael Kim, who's in the middle of a very nice run right now. Did miss a cut at the Byron Nelson, but previous to that, had not missed a cut since Honda. Two top tens over that time. And you can see the driving. It's crazy that he drove it so well and played so well on approach at the Wells Fargo uh, when he was getting up in ownership. I think he was like 15% at the Byron Nelson in the mid $7,000 range. Like, uh, let's see here. Wells Fargo is 0.7. But yeah, then all of a sudden everyone glommed onto him in a weaker field. That didn't really work out all that well. But he's been putting pretty well. And... You know, Poa has been his jam, but Bent has been a little bit better for him. Let's see how he's played at the Charles Schwab over the years. The Chuck Schwab, uh, three times, two missed cuts, T41, so not great coming in, coming off a bad performance in Texas. Dylon, whoo, also missed the cut at the Byron Nelson. Most of that was driving-related, lost 1.6 strokes off the tee, gained in approach around the green and marginally, not in the negative, 0.1 strokes gained over the course of two rounds. Uh, probably not what you want at a birdie fest. Previous to that, had not missed a cut since the Farmers Insurance Open at the end of January. So he's been piling up some decent results. You know, top 25s in two of his past three starts when he threw out the Byron Nelson, was top 20 at Corrales, top 40 at Valero. Oh, uh, he cashed that top, uh, him and Brandon Wu both cashed the top 40 at the players. So that was nice. Was top 10 at the Honda, top 30 at Pebble Beach. Some of these shorter courses, he's actually playing pretty well. Uh, even some of the longer courses, he's playing pretty well. So approach gained in three or for, sorry, four straight events, gaining on the greens as well. So, you know, Dylon Wu will throw him onto the list. Dai Wu, see if that can go a little bit better for him. Davis Riley, uh, pretty sure he flamed out bigly at the, where are we at here? I'm going to close these tabs so I stop clicking on them so much. Go back and see in real time how Davis Riley, he was plus seven. Okay. That's not so great. Cameron Davis doing pretty well. Davis Thompson missed on the number. I watched his putt live on the Cut Sweat Show to miss the cut. So since his win, um, you know, he had the win at the team event, but has not made a cut in any of his past four starts in a regular event. So keep that in mind. He was fourth at this course a year ago. Uh, has played some good golf in Texas over the years. Uh, I think his wins on the Corn Ferry Tour were in San Antonio. I think those were at the yeah, San Antonio Championship Oaks Course um in charles schwab so he's done some he does his best work at harder courses in a weird way and i just don't think this is going to play as difficult unless it gets super windy probably stay away from davis riley uh, again wind infested last year ended up coming in fourth who are we looking at here ben martin once called bermuda benny now actually puts better on bentgrass good news because this is bentgrass this week you know wells fargo probably not a spot where he was going to play well anyway so here's been the issue. He had those top 10s at Corrales and the Honda and Valero. Uh, the approach play had been really consistent. The driving had been really consistent. But, so this is going to be difficult for me to parse. So he's playing Valero, Putacana, Valspar. Those are non-elevated events. He's gaining a lot of strokes on the field off the tee. So is he was he driving the ball a whole lot better? Or was he driving the ball a whole lot better in comparison to the course and field that he was playing against. So Valero's a longer track, and it's a weaker field. And listen, he drove the ball fantastically that week. So that's that's great news. That's usually more of a Bombers-type track. Uh, Honda, not necessarily a Bombers-type track, and neither is Pebble Beach most definitely is not. So he's getting strokes there. He's getting strokes to the players. That makes sense. Those aren't long 
courses. Mexico is a long course he marginally loses to the field. Wells Fargo is an elevated event. So he lost strokes in an, in an elevated event at the Heritage and an elevated event at the Wells Fargo. It was only 0.5 at the Wells Fargo. But all of the best players in the world are playing those events. They are not playing Valero. So when you look at his stats, you have to take them with a grain of salt in comparison to the field that he's going against. Now, this field is not as weak as Valero. However, it's most definitely not as strong as some of the elevated events at the same time. So, you know, you have a bad approach week over two rounds. Shit happens when you party naked, right? But we're back on bent, so the putter should be good. The approach play has been good outside of the Wells Fargo. Ben Martin making the short list. Benny Martin. Uh, curious to see what his price comes in at. Fleetwood. You know, currently inside the top 10 on going into the final round at the PGA Championship. And he's just been a tee to, he's been a tee to green monster now, basically since the Genesis. So he came over for Phoenix. That didn't go so well. Genesis, sea legs underneath him. Let's get Tommy to Florida. All of a sudden, we're doing a whole lot better. Couldn't putt at the API, game 61st, whatever. Couldn't really drive it at the players, still came inside the top 30 since. Third, 33rd, 15th, 5th at the Wells Fargo. I don't want to say this is Tommy's time, but I'm probably most definitely betting Tommy Fleetwood this week. Will he make enough putts? I guess is always the question. Bent is his worst putting surface, although the putter's been pretty good. If we get the wind, we are never concerned about Tommy Fleetwood in the wind. He actually probably prefers to play in the wind. I do worry that it's a bit too easy of a course that you're going to have to make a lot of birdies. Uh, and that's never typically the thing that he does well, like the lower, the higher the score, I guess, technically, the better that he's going to be. You can see some of the best finishes in his career. Open championships, U.S. Opens, the Valspar tougher course, Honda tougher course, API tougher course, the Open, the Scottish Open, St. Jude in Memphis, another tougher track. So the tougher the track, generally speaking, uh, the better Tommy plays tends not to make enough putts in a birdie fest to keep it going. But uh, definitely when we guess his odds, we'll see what they come in at. But if they're good enough, and a lot of it will hinge on how he finishes. If he has a great Sunday at the PGA Championship, you know, then we're all screwed. Jagger currently top 10 going into the final round at the PGA Championship. 11th at Byron Nelson, 27th elevated event, top 20 in Mexico, missed a cut at elevated event, but very consistent golf. And it's, he's kind of doing it in all facets. The around the green is saving his ass, most definitely. He never putts, but putted well on bent at the Byron Nelson. So that's interesting to see. Uh, and it is bent grass right now up at Oak Hill too. So well, different type of bent grass than you're going to see in Texas. Either way, uh, off the tee has been fantastic. He does have some heater rounds on approaches. Could it be his time? The John Deere is probably his time if we're being realistic about an actual win. But interesting to see going forward. Denny McCarthy, uh, he missed the cut, I believe, on the number. Denny. No, no, he did make the cut. <laughs> I mean, he's in my lineups. I probably should know that. I've been trying to avoid looking at my DraftKings lineups for as long as possible this week just because it is not not going great. Uh, when you when you take Rom over Scheffler and Rory, uh, it's going to set you behind the eight ball. Having Brooks, obviously, is helping, but uh, not enough. Let's put it that way. So Denny coming in. Denny hasn't missed a cut since the Honda, since he was uber chalk. How has he played at this tournament? Not great. Can't gain off the tee, can't gain on approach. Although that's been cleaned up a little bit more. The approach play has been a little bit better. The off the tee has been a little bit better. When you take a look again at where he plays well, it's generally the shorter courses. Heritage, players, didn't play well at Honda, but did play well at Pebble Beach. How has he played at the Wyndham over the course of his career? Let's go take a look at that. Wyndham Championship. That's probably not how you spell wind. Wyndham. Miscut last year, previous to that, 15th, 9th, 22nd, and 36th. Heritage. Now, again, this is Bermuda putting. It's a little bit different. Heritage over the years, nothing great, but nothing bad at the same time. One miscut in five years for Denny at the Heritage. Going to like Denny. As long as he's not overpriced, I'll probably be in on that. Uh, Shank putts really well on, well, not really well, but gains on bent grass. Uh, let's see here. Not afraid to play in difficult and windy rounds. Not been going well for the Shankman. Came second at Valspar. It's been kind of downhill for him since there. See how he's done at Charles Schwab. Nothing great. All right, let's crush, crush old Shank off the list. Rye guy. No, it's been a bad run for old Aaron Rye. Dude can't putt to save his life. It's a real problem for him. He played the Charles Schwab last year, made the cut, but lost across the board, so he must have been devastated by one round. Poa. 
and past Palum putting sensation. Akshay Batia. Look at these approach numbers. Even at the Wells Fargo. That's against the very best in the world. And then he went toe-to-toe with Rom and Scheffler in Mexico. Faded on Sunday in that final group. That's going to happen. But, man, like, Tita Green, he's good. The approach play is great. And dude can fill it up from time to time. I don't know if he's going to do it here, mind you. Where's best finishes? He won the, the great Exuma. Uh, the Fortnet that's on POA, Bermuda. So Bermuda and Pass Palum and POA. We just don't have a lot of experience with him on Bentgrass in terms of weighted numbers. So it's very difficult to figure out. I said, I'm betting him either way. I'm trying to figure out if you should or not or play him. I just think he's a real talent. Skinniest man alive. But I think he's a genuine talent. And sometimes just backing talent could be good enough. Oh, good. Uh, Grio was... I mean, this should be such a good Grio course, too. Let's see. Grio, 63rd, 8th, miscut, 19th, 3rd, 21st, 55th in his career. Has not, has gained every year on approach except for his very first year in 2016. See how he's doing at the PGA. I believe, again, I think he missed the cut. I think he had it going. He, he had a case of the going goods and the going real bads. Yeah, plus nine. Happens, but he was first in approach over the past 12 rounds going into the PGA Championship. Again, different class of player when we're thinking about this stuff, but you know, two top tens against one in an elevated event, too. Previous two missing the cut of the PGA Championship. So the TD green and really the ball striking, mainly the approach play was heating up. Uh, how was he on the greens at this course? Not great. I mean, he gained 10 strokes putting here one year. So it's doable for Emiliano Grillo. And even during his bad putting stretch in 2021, he still gained at this course. Lost last year. So it's always a pendulum when it comes to it. And sometimes it hangs up on the bad side a lot of Grillo. But he can gain at this course. How did Ekro do it? So Ekro, okay. I mean, he gained a... That's a big swing. Wells Fargo lost eight strokes on the greens. The next week at Byron Nelson gained seven strokes. That is a Colin Morikawa-esque split in what he's up to. So Sony shorter course played really well. Top 12, then missed 11 billion cuts in a row. Top five. Basically, if Ekro makes the cut, you can count on him being in contention. He's gained off the tee in four straight, gained on approach in the past two. Chipped it actually quite well at the Wells Fargo. Uh, but, okay, so Eckroat we should consider going into next week. Carson Young, what was he? He was 14th at Byron Nelson. These are some good performances here uh, for a guy who's fake Cam Young, but gained on approach in four straight. Ken gained a bunch off the tee, putting really well at the moment. Uh, Bent Grass historically has been bad for him, but did gain at the Byron Nelson ever so slightly. He's not a good putter. Let's be real about that. But the time beforehand that he was on bent grass marginally lost so he's been like around even so far this year in his you know, two tournaments on bent grass although it's only two rounds at the valero but all four at the byron nelson but you know three of his past four starts 14th 15th and 19th all right probably have to do it for him we'll see how's nasty nate doing here uh 23rd 27th 39th, 31st, so playing a little bit better. The off the tee is not good. Putting coming around a lot. And the approach played the past two weeks, over six in both those tournaments. And, you know, he was, I wouldn't say relatively, he was somewhat popular um, in Mexico. And did, what was he in Mexico? He was 39th. Yeah, didn't have a great week. So then he was relatively unowned at Wells Fargo. He was, like, in the lead at one point in the second round. Ended up coming 22nd, 27th, sorry, in an elevated field event. And then the next week, uh, I was on him at Byron Nelson. I bet him to win, actually, at triple digits. And listen, that's a fine week. If he's going to lose 4.3 strokes off the tee and still come inside the top 25, I takes it, considering he only gained three strokes putting that week as well. So not too concerned about that. See, Charles Schwab, never been a real good run for him in the course of his career, but yeah, we'll see what the pricing comes in on him, DraftKings-wise. Hoagie, we already dug into a little bit later on, so okay. That's where we're going at for the individual player profiles, digging into the back end of the field at the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's time for us to guess the odds of this tournament. Scheffler is going to be the favorite. It's how big of a favorite is he going to be? Obviously, as mentioned, he's still in contention to win the PGA Championship. Let's not forget that. Uh, his past results coming in, 5th, 11th, 10th, 1st, 4th, 12th, 1st, 11th, 7th, 9th, 3rd. Bad CJ Cup, 45th. But you can see after winning the Masters a year ago, it was very similar, but the putter just would not cooperate. It cooperated marginally last year at this tournament, 0.6. If he gains 0.6 strokes putting, this 
this time around. And Gaines, you know, 12 T degree, he's probably going to win. Let's call him plus 650 coming into this. I'll, that's where I'll start and make my basis off of. So Scotty, the favorite at plus 650. That could be 6-1. to one, We'll see. Spieth and Hovland. And a lot of this depends on how Hovland finishes, obviously. If he wins the PGA Championship, he probably doesn't even play in this tournament. But I have Spieth and Hovland both at 12-1. to one. I have Finau at 14-1. to one. I think they're going to be the four favorites coming in but i do have two more guys at sub 20 to 1 homa and morikawa both 18 to 1 i have sung jay at 22 burns at 25 as the defending champion fleetwood at 25 to 1 as well so those are all my guys one two three four five six seven eight nine players under 25 to 1. I have Rose at 33, but if he finishes inside the top three, he'll be 25 to 1 or 28 to 1, whatever it might be. But I think he is next up on the list along with Ricky at 33 to 1. Uh, although he missed the cut at the PGA Championship, he's still going to remain popular coming into it. And after that, I have Hoagie at 40 and Chris Kirk at 40. Chris Kirk is a former champion. This is where his first career victory came almost, geez, almost a decade ago now. Henley at 45 with Kitayama at 45 and Min Woo Lee and C Woo Kim all at 45 to 1. I have Ryan Fox. What does he say? He says he's 55 to 1 coming into this by me. And then Billy Horschel at 66. And then we'll have other guys splice the road. Taylor Moore probably should come in at decent odds. We'll see how Yagabombs finishes up. He might be 50 to 1 coming into the tournament, all depending on how these top guys finish and how many of them stay into the field uh, going into. Fort Worth this week for the Charles Schwab Challenge. Thank you again for tuning in. Smash like. Apologies once again for the lack of video on myself, but you've been able to see everything that I've been able to see with my screen share. So I hope that works out well for you. Maybe you saw something that I didn't see in this, and that helps lead you to victory and helps you cash in because Lord knows I could use a winner somewhere along the lines. It's not the financial commitment because I don't bet enough to put me into destitution. I think destitution is a word. Either way, listen, I'm only losing what I'm feel good about losing. So although I'm in the hole, you know, I'm not losing mortgage payments or anything like that. I'm losing my entertainment budget. I'm still having fun talking about golf every single week, but it can be kind of a bummer just, you know, when you're not hitting winners at all, it'd be nice to go on a nice little streak, just, you know, nine second place finishes and one winner, I guess two winners throughout the course of the year. Just, it's not cutting it. I'd like to be better at this. Like I used to be. And I don't know, am I, in, in, am I in analysis paralysis? Am I seeing the board wrong? Has the board caught up to me? I don't know. I, I really need to work through some of these problems. Maybe that'll be an off-season project. I do think reviewing the model every single week could be a very good exercise for myself to go through uh, and to see if I was right along my leans and I just applied the information incorrectly or made my picks incorrectly or whatever the problem might be. Anyway, that will do it for me. Follow me at the PME on Twitter. Smash like sub to the channel on the way out and go to fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off and do all of the work like I just did, plus even more when it comes down to the tools. Okay? Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com